we can never let go of Yosef. And it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite, it's, I mean, it's quite obvious when you get to this, but first of all, there has been an anonymous donor for the, for this week and next week and the following week. I mean, he's not completely anonymous. I know who it is. And uh, he determined that this week's shear is in honor of my mother. When, when we start reading Sefer Shemot, so we always think in a, I'll, I'll call it a dual manner. One way of looking at it is the continuation of the previous story. And if we continue with the previous story, so then it's quite obvious, at least to me, I don't know about to you, that, prop, that the most important character in the last third of the book of Bereshit was, in fact, Yosef. So part of that thought, so where is he and what happens and what, and, uh, what impact will remain from him will be one of our thoughts. And, and, and the text itself deals with it. I think it deals with it much more than we note, which is actually what I want to get to. And, and the other thing is that we do is that, and I hope we do this because I suspect we don't do anything. I suspect we just read without thinking. We turn learning into davening and we turn davening into mindless banter. So the, 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 that's a little uh, un- unfortunate, <laughs> right? It's like people say, they, they don't learn dafyomi, they daven dafyomi. Okay? <laughs> dafyomi becomes suke de zimra. Or even better, it becomes Corbanos. So, <laughs> once in, when I was in Rabbi Salvation's class, he said, he goes, you, you know, you're allowed to say Corbanos in the morning. <laughs> like, it, it was, it was, he, he was very, yeah, he was very gentle sometimes in how he, and uh, how he said that you were allowed to say it. This is after a very learned explanation into what each line there, what, what it was doing and why we say it and, what, and how we're to understand it. So, like, one of the other things that we should do is to say, okay, we have a new book, and we had an old book, and sometimes when we look at books, then we compare the books. So, therefore, to what extent Sefer Bereshit will be similar or dissimilar, compare or to contrast with Sefer Shemot, and there's a lot to talk about that, just in terms of the more, again, much larger issues in terms of books. I mean, the first thing that I can say is that the timeline in Sefer Bereshit is much longer than the timeline in Shemot. And as you go from book to book to book, the timeline gets shorter and shorter as you go on, which itself is interesting, but is still is nonetheless something which is worthwhile to note. So, I mean, there's something which, I, I think the the Hebrew way of referring to this is called parshanut, the, the old English way, exegesis, they would call it, and today the fancier way would be to call it intertextuality. That's the... Oh, where have you been? <laughs> does not... Does not... Does, does not that, that sound great? No, it's a very... It, no, that, that's exactly what... It is, it, the truth is, it's a really a very good term. It, it, it's what it's really saying is instead of let me interpret this word or this phrase on its own, in its own context, let me look at the, at the larger context. And again, we've said this many times. What exactly is pshat? Pshat is a contextual understanding of the text. Now the question is, how broad is your context? If, is your context that word? Is it that verse? Is it that chapter? Is it that book? Is it all of Tanakh? Is it all of rabbinic literature part of your context? So therefore, if you think that all of rabbinic literature is part of the context, so then the midrash, the drasha that Rashi brought is pshat, in the text, because that's part of the context that he's using. 
And instead of people making what, you know, f- for us, it's obvious there's a difference between Pshat and Drash, sometimes that's artificial in terms of the people that were actually discussing it because for them that was the context. So therefore, to what extent is Rashi going to be willing to give an interpretation which runs against Chazal? He can't because that's Pshat. But what made it Pshat? Just because of the larger context. So, so I'll say it again, is that the issue is not Pshat versus Drash or whatever else. The issue is Pshat. And what Pshat is, you tell me what your context is and I'll tell you what your Pshat is. I hope that made a little sense. <laughs> that's how that's that's how it works. You know, when Moshe is born, it says that vayarto kitov. So Rashi says the room filled up with light. So, so that's absolute intextuality. What did he do in the very beginning of Bereshit? It said by the first time it says kitov is God sees the light is good, and therefore over here it says kitov. There it says kitov. So therefore there the light. So over here there's light. So what was that? I'm saying, what, what, where did that interpretation come from? And then the Gemara goes one step further and says, oh, what was his name? His name was Tuvia. So why is his name Tuvia? Because it was Kitov. So then, and she sees, oh, she says, oh, look, Kitov, this is who he is, and names him Tuvia. Okay, so now let's go back because we, we don't want to leave Yosef. V'yamat Yosef v'kol echav v'kol adorahu. Yosef dies. Incidentally, Yosef died for the second time. He also died in Bereshit. Yosef dies twice. We left off Bereshit with him dying, Shemot with him dying. The, the, the deeper point over here is that Yosef is called Evin Yisrael. Rashi will say Evin Yisrael means Av Aben. Av Aben. Yosef was both considered to be one of the patriarchs and Yosef, I know that that sounds strange, Yosef is the extension of Yaakov. Ela told Yaakov Yosef. Yosef is patriarch 3.1. Which means you have 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, then 3.1. Yosef is 3.1. And therefore, he is separate from all the other brothers, and all the other brothers become tribes, but it's Yosef's kids who become tribes, because Yosef is there someplace in the middle. So Yosef is bo- both one of the brothers, where there's always going to be tension about that. Is he really our brother? Is he really one of the brothers? And on the other hand, Yosef is the extension of Yaakov. And he's also an extension of Avraham and, and so on, which means he is doing the dreams of Avraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov, and he brings them to fruition much more than any other individual does. But Yosef dies in Bereshit because it's the book of the Avot. And Yosef is therefore, is has the status of one of the Avot. On the other hand, Yosef is one of the Banim. So Yosef dies with the other brothers over here. And that is the, the complexity. And if you were more Kabbalistic, you would be thinking about the chariot. And the fourth wheel of the chariot would be, would be Yosef. And there are other ways of expressing the same idea. Yosef, therefore, of all the brothers, is the only one who's one of the Sefirot. The, 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 weir, the place he is on the Sefirot, again, is the extension of Yaakov, right, in the, in the center, underneath of Yaakov, if you know what it is that I'm referring to. So, therefore, Yosef does become this other thing, but Yosef is also one of the brothers. And, and uh, whether they'll accept him as a brother or see him as a brother is itself part of the complexity. Part of the healing process of the book of uh, Shemot is that we get this unstated, obvious connection between the new hero of the book and the new hero is going to become Moshe, and that's somebody from the tribe of Levi, and the affinity between Moshe from Levi and Yosef. The, the stated affinity is when all the other Jews are looking for the, 
the possessions to borrow from the Egyptians, they were told that Moshe was the one who was looking for the remains of Yosef. That, that, that Moshe actually takes Yosef out is stated in, in, the, in the Torah, that is stated in, in Parshat Bishalach that Moshe carries out the remains of Yosef. But, the, but, the, but that itself is interesting that, that it's what Moshe does. Later on, Moshe's going, we're going to be told that Moshe ends up getting his right-hand man is going to be Yehoshua from the tribe of, again, coming from Yosef, from tribe from Yosef. So therefore, while in Bereshit, there was this tension between Levi, certainly on the Midrashic level, that, there, that one said to his brother, you know, here comes the dreamer of dreams and let's kill him. And, and we're told that that's Shimon and Levi. Over here, we seem to have a healing. I mean, I would go one step further. And, I would, and again, I've said this before. I would suspect that when Moshe's mother has those precious days, weeks, months, years to nurse him and to educate him, she probably says, you know, by the way, we had, a, we had an Uncle Joe. And Uncle Joe was also a Jew in the palace and uh, and he and he remains at Sadik. I mean, again, just imagine how Moshe's mother, about Levi, has to come and say, "We had an uncle who was at Sadik, who kept his Jewish identity. He looked out for his brothers. He cared for the rest of the family." And Moshe walks out of the palace doing that. So I'm going to say it again: this unspoken part of the text, I, I think, is interesting. But you realize what I just now did is now I, I kind of continued the story. I continued, meaning, meaning Yosef is there, but Yosef isn't there. But I. I, I want to now come back and see this in a little bit of a broader way. So now either the blessing or the problem, depending on whose side you're on, the blessing is that the Jews have become, uh, there, there's so much fertility, there are so many children, there are so many grand, there are so many people around which if I just had to look at that part by itself and say, wow, that's great. Now, now again, I want to pause. This is one of the early blessings, the first blessing that man receives, right? The first mitzvah, first blessing in terms of peruvu. So therefore, in a certain sense, here we have a fulfillment of something which we were told from the very beginning of Bereshit. Again, the contrast between the two stories in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden versus, you know, getting this blessing. And over here, this blessing coming to fruition, on the other hand, when we look at the end of Bereshit, and this is the part which is easy to think, if you, is easy to miss if you don't think, and you don't notice, and you don't put two and two together. Let's notice that verse again. So Yosef is mentioned, and Yosef is dead. But nonetheless, there is this population growth. So the way that the world goes is that an old generation unfortunately at some point passes away but this new generation is, or new generations not only replenish what's lost is that they become much, much more numerous, which again is part of the blessing and from the older generation we just have memories unless they're forgotten. So therefore now realize that Yosef's death is sandwiched between Yosef's mention over here sandwiches this point about Peruvu, which of course I say of course that's just to make everyone feel inadequate, <laughs> but of, of of course what we then need to think about is you know why was it written in this particular way? I mean, I, I know you're you're just thinking what makes sense, but just continue a little bit more. Rav Vatsum Mimenu. 
they're becoming more numerous than us. Hava nitchakmalo. That's a very, very interesting word, and we're going to... You, you know all the words that I find interesting because I bold them, so it makes it it makes it very it makes it very easy. So, so this point about fertility has been mentioned in Pasuk Zion. It's mentioned again in uh, in, in Pasuk Tet. It's now mentioned mentioned again in Pasuk Yud. Why nitchakmalo? We're gonna let, let, let's outsmart them. Let's deal with them. But the, the word chachma is is going to be one which we're going to come back to. Then it talks about some some of the servitude, slavery. So again, the, the, these words are coming back again and again. The ribori and and vayifrotz and 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 so on. Rav atzum and yirbu v'yatzmu and so on. V'yimurt chayim kasha. Nonetheless, they try to. To stop, they try to break the mood by by giving them very diffi- very difficult work. By the way, we don't know if these women are Jewish or not. If it's the Jewish midwives or the midwives for the Jews, we don't know which way that's to be read. The, the word shifra also has, if you look at it carefully, you see the peru inside, and uh, and and it, it's it's interesting. Essentially saying, please go and commit infanticide. Please go and kill all of the the children, all the male children, the women children, the females. will figure out something to do with them. Or, or what they will do for us. Nonetheless, vatir enahim ladot et elokim velo asuk asher dibereleim melech mitzrayim v'dechayen et yeladim. So, as much as we're told that the redemption is going to come, or this redemption came because of the righteous women, we just now met our first righteous women, and the first righteous women were told are one, those who fear sin, those who are willing to withstand the direct order of the king. And nonetheless, the children live, and the king questions them, calls them in for questioning. Why do you let them live? Not exactly what that word chayot means. We'll, we'll look a little bit in a moment. They, they are very quick and efficient, and they give birth very quickly. Again, this this commentary about God's looking down at the world with approval is similar to that, and God sees and sees that it's good. So you realize it's not just when Moshe is born in the next chapter. You already have this God's involvement over here. At this point, and, and so I'm skipping a little bit, and now power comes up with a new plan. Let's take all the males and let's throw them into the river because that's not as messy, likely, as the actually killing them. One wonders out loud regarding the daughter of Paro, who chooses this to be her location to go for her swim, you know, what, what kind of water this is, with uh, all kinds of uh, dead babies in the water. You, you realize that even though she will eventually become a, a sympathetic character, and she will show empathy, and her leaving with the Jews and converting and leaving with the Jews is not the stuff of Midrash that's actually written in Divrei Hayamim. 
that she that she marries a Jew and she leaves and has children and so on. But one wonders what is going. I, I mean, I, I I do like the the midrash that says, oh, she was going to the mikveh, she was going to cleanse herself from avodah zarah, she was going in order to go undergone this transformation. But again, I wonder the choice of water, which is which is chosen over here, because there's because yeah, yeah, it just seems it just seems to me quite disturbing, the the very idea of going to such a place. I'm I'm just saying that the the choice is is somewhat jarring to me. If it sounds like it sounds, uh, that's it. If it sounds like a great vacation spot for all of you, then 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 great. Uh, yeah, I I uh, I'm 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 dis- I'm disturbed. You you're able. One would certainly hope so. Anyway, they probably had those little crocodiles on on the towels and, and stuff and. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Yeah, but the people listening won't know it because I cut out anything, which is amusing. Yeah, yeah. People think people think I'm boring. They get shocked when they come in person. Well, yeah, I edit completely. Anything which is interesting, I take out. Okay. My my. What I started to say before about about remembering Yosef and forgetting Yosef and so on. I want to just state this in a global sense, and then we'll go down to specifics. Yosef, for many reasons, represents fertility. And the, okay? and the blessing of fertility, in many ways, flows through Yosef. Let's go back to source number two. I say go back. We're towards the end of Bereshit. Ben Porat Yosef, Ben Porat Ale Ayin, Benot Sado Ale Shor. We're going to come and try to figure out what those words actually mean. We'll skip a little bit. That's the Evan Yisrael, the rock of Israel, or as Rashi suggested, maybe it means Av Ben. And there's always that contradiction. Avreich is also, it's Avarach, it's Avevin, Avaben. There's always this, this contradiction in Yosef, both young and old. I'm going to say the word Shaddai, or we pronounce it Shakai. Now, if I would have asked you in the middle of the verse right here, you know, what does that name connotate? So most likely somebody over here would tell me something about a mezuzah, because that's probably the first, the first, the first, uh, thing that we connected to it, ve'et shaday ve'evrocheka, brichot shamayim me'al, blessings from heaven above, brichot to home, and blessings from below. Again, it's the av ben, uh, old and young. It, it, it's this duality of, of above and below. Brichot shadayim v'racham, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. So I don't know how I can possibly say that there's a blessing of fertility in a, in a stronger sense than the words that actually are written over here, which means Yosef's, Yosef's person, Yosef's tribe, the blessing it receives is Berchot Shadaim Verachem. You now hopefully will go back and look at the name of God used over here, Shaddai, and look at the similarity to, to Shadaim which means it is some kind of a name of God which will connotate the flow of something. Again, a breast is the flow of milk from the mother to the child. Again, this, this adult and, and the young, right? Av, ben, over here, it's the mother and the child. 
and as much as you, but, but that's exactly the blessing over here is for the women to have children and the name of God. Now, now we're not going to do all of this right now, but if you want as your homework, you can look for every single time the name Shaddai is written in the Torah. You can see, you can see wherever it's written, it becomes the first time in Bereshit when Avraham is commanded to get a Brit Milah. And, and in a certain sense, that now will begin a new type. That's when Avram's fertility really begins in a Jewish sense with the circumcision. And from there, every single time it's going to be used, sometimes you have to work harder, sometimes not as hard, but the name is always going to be connected to, to, um, to fertility. And more than anyone else, the name is connected to Yosef. The only time that you're going to have a hard time is when uh, Yaakov thinks that Yosef is dead, and he mentions it in that context. Yosef is dead, and he mentions Shakai, but that's really because of the... It's, it, it's the opposite of the same phenomenon, is that if there's no more Yosef, where's going to be this blessing? And how is it going to continue? So this, um, this idea, then, that it states that... Yosef dies. I hope that you now realize that that description is not a random description after saying, and Yosef died, but the blessing is there. And then you're going to continue the king, but nonetheless, there is this fertility which is taking place, which means even though you don't see Yosef in front of you, now you have to wonder if somehow this blessing has impact. Again, Yosef has impact in other ways that we wouldn't have thought of necessarily. And when you think about Yosef's interpretation of Paro's dreams, that now there will be produce, which is also Zra'im, you know, in terms of the world, is, is, is a similar phenomena to Zerah in terms of, of people. It's interesting that it's Yosef who now interprets that dream that there will be plenty, and then Yosef is the one who becomes the beneficiary in a, in a certain sense in terms of this... Uh, in, in terms of the... He becomes a source of, of bracha. So let's look at the Bechor Shor. By the way, I hope you recognize how appropriate it is to use the Bechor Shor in context with Yosef. The Bechor Shor? It is appropriate. It's appropriate to talk about the Bechor Shor in terms of Yosef. So let's read. The Bechor Shor in source number three. Ben Parat Yosef, right? I, I did not explain those words when we read them. Ben Parat Yosef. Sheyehei. Ben Parat Yosef, he's understanding the word Parat is connected to the word of fertility. Ben Parat Yosef. Which means, when I said that Yosef is connected to fertility, it's the name Shakai. It's, it's Ben Parat Yosef. It's the Brachot Shadaim Viracham. It's, it's all of the things together is, comes on, on, on to Yosef. And it continues, Okay, sure, and so on and so forth. Which and I have a little footnote beneath over here, which a footnote I found in the English translation of the Bechor Shor on Al HaTorah, and you can look it up. But again, he tries to explain what the word 
actually means over here, and for those who have difficulty because you're actually pedantic and no Hebrew, and that's of no interest to me. If you look at source number four, Rashi, Birchot Shadaim Viracham, Birchata Da'aba Uda'ima, Klomar Yitbrachua, Moladim, Vayoldot, Shiyu, Zacharim, Azraim, Tipa, Riala, Herayon, Venakevot, Lo Yeshkulu, Et Rechem, Shalahen, Lapil, Ubrahim. Before I, I explain any of that, um, I don't know if you know that there, the English translation of the Chumash, which many used for many years, is, is actually from Zilberman, who is the same Zilbermans from the old city. Yes, it's the same family. Yes, yes, which cut out any of the Rashis which were inappropriate for school children. So this one's not there. That's, that's all that I'll say. And if you need more information, we have a professional nurse over here who can explain anything that you need uh, to know. But, but again, what Rashi is explaining over here is Rashi is explaining the mechanics over here involved in the fertility because when it comes down to Yosef, again, it is all about fertility. Again, getting to the same point, which which I don't know if I need the commentaries to say this because I, I think this was as obvious as one can possibly have in terms of this connection between Yosef and. Uh, and fertility. Um, note as well that when Yaakov is talking to Yosef, we, we just now went back a chapter in source number six, the Yomer Yaakov El Yosef Kel Shakai. Again, it's the same name which is used, and uh, I'll say it again, it's used more with Yosef than with anybody else, but only in context. And it's not the covenant, it's not there by the Brit Bain Abtarim. It's not there. It's not. It's only by Brit Milah, which, which is again specifically to the point over here. So it's El Shakai, Nirai Bluzos Kamverechoti, and I received the blessing again of fertility from God, where God says to Yaakov, "You will have many children." Ufaratz to Yomer, right, and so on. The Yomer Eli Hineni Mafrichaver B'Tichan Atita Lakalamim. Again. If you don't know the words that's pru uravu that you will become numerous and you will become any and I also find it okay you know what I'll, I'll stop there on the bottom over here it says so what exactly again larov means plenty exactly it means it means plenty so Rashi writes. So I'll say it again, that the blessing of fertility connected to Yosef is in so many ways, at so many times, it's, it's constantly there. And now when Am Yisrael are in Egypt, and now they start to, to, to multiply, one you know, at least has to uh, make note of it and realize that there's something over here which is happening. And that mentioning of Yosef over there was not just uh, a, an insignificant mentioning. In source number eight, we're going back now, if you want to go and look at source number one again, and Pasuk Yutet, in Pasuk Yutet it says, Ki chayotena. Now, now again, note that when Paro starts with his plot, it was in Pasuk Yud, right? We, let, let's be wise with them. And now over here, it's the Pasuk says that Now, we didn't know exactly what that means. 
So the Targum in Source 8 says, Arechakimin. So now, why he used the word wise to translate the word chayot is itself very interesting. Well, this should be interesting. There, there are commentaries that uh, said something which was somewhat serious, and I have to qualify that, and said, of course, because this is talking about the giving birth. So therefore, it's, it's it's obvious that there should be you know wisdom over here in terms of the giving birth, but but there there's something more over here. Isn't this the the Targum Yonatan adds a little bit more religion into this verse. His risot v'chachamot, again, he still has the chacham there. And that's part of what we need to figure out why the word chacham is here. For those of you who I'm losing right now, I hope I'm not, but, but Yosef was actually described by Paro as being chacham v'navon, and I just want you to know that he's still in the shadows. And j- j- just in case you forgot about him, I do have to remind you to, because otherwise you say, hold it, where did that come from? Why, why, why are we talking about that? So over here, he's risot v'chachmot, and I, I, I love the continuation. The word rachamim over here of all of all possible words when a woman is about to give birth in terms of rechem and rachamim is interesting. Is that Paro makes his plans and we have our response to his plans by our prayers. And that our prayers have the ability of countering the, the, the devious plans of our enemies. I, I, the word chayot, again, still chayotena, I think it's probably connected to source number 10. Now we do the opposite, and we will constantly have this dance. Go to the beginning of Bereshit. I go to the beginning and go to the end. The beginning, because that was where Puruvu and, and the first mother is chava. Adam chava ki hi haita im kolchai. Chayot hema is now, I think in this context, we can now understand, is the ones bringing life. Chayot hema, they are chayot. They are the ones who are determined, and they will, again, with the Targum Yonatan by prayer, with Unculus and the Targum Yonatan, we're not sure why yet, with also with wisdom, and where did this wisdom come from? The Ibn Ezra ki chayot hema yeshlem koach chayim balev. Determination. Determination for life. Determination to live. Determination to pass on life. Rav Avram ben Harambam, we didn't need this, but we like him, and, and we'll get to his father in a second. Chayot, Tirgom Mitogim, Chakimin. Chayot, Tergomoa Mitergame, Chakimin, Vigama Chachamim Zaitrul Mieledet Chachma. So that we'll get to in a second. Um, just complete irony or not, you see the earth site this week, the, there's a thing called Mishnayomi, so the day that I was learning this, this week, early in the week, was the day that this was the Mishnayomi as well, so I, uh, I was able to pull up the Mishnah in Source 14. The in Lashon of the Mishnah is called a Chachama. That's what that's what you call a midwife. What's the other term for midwife? Uh, a adula. Yeah. So so in in Mishnaic Hebrew, the word is chachma. So now now so it's interesting. Chayot is the one who gives life, 
and Chochma is the one who is... So essentially they're saying, they're saying that, that the women wore their own midwives. It's really what the Pasuk is saying. The Rambam in his commentary to the Mishnah says, V'chachma, mikabelet havlad, v'nikret be'ivrit miyaledet. So miyaledet is a Chochma, so it, it's, it really is interesting, the, that phrase, and maybe how this is playing out. But... I, I do now want to go back because, as I said, we, we can't forget about Yosef. The, our our, our miladot, or if you want, our wise women who are helping facilitate the births, we're told that they fear God. So the other one who we're told, or recently we're told, who fears God is, of course, Yosef in, in multiple places, but we'll look at source 16. If you want to... It, it, it is fear. It, you could say it's fear of sin, but it's, it, it is fear of God. Afterwards, he tells his brothers when uh, they're quite frightened what he's going to do, and he says, So again, Yosef is the one who adhered to Elohim. So if you now realize what the text is really telling you, it's saying is that Paro has forgotten Yosef, but others have not. Which means Yo- Yo- Yosef's impact is too large over here to possibly imagine that Yosef has been forgotten. The behavior of those who are able to withstand and to fear God despite other personal pressures, that impact. Yosef's impact is all over in terms of the blessing of fertility in Egypt, or for that matter, the blessing of all of Egypt is there to a great extent because of Yosef's ability to interpret the dreams and then to set up a plan. Which, which means Yosef... The, Yosef should be all over there. And and the problem then is when you read back that verse again, it doesn't even say that he forgot Yosef. He says, Asher lo yada. He says, Asher lo yada et Yosef. And you know that once we've gone so far, we've already gone up that path with the Shaddaim and the Racham. Yoda is also in a biblical sense. Now, I'm not saying that, that this paro, this homosexual over... I'm just saying it's really interesting over here. It doesn't say forgot. It's, it's, it's Yoda, and Yoda is a completely... It's actually, it's much more intimate. Knowledge is much, is much more intimate. And, and this for lo Yoda et Yosef. And, and that's also interesting, the paro how close it is or how far it is, because para is also can pay back. It, it's, it, it almost sounds like there's a pun going on there also, but now now let's, with this, let's let's try to go... This uh, autumn yada chaba also. Uh, exactly, exactly, exactly. Now, when you think about it, and you say, hold it a second, how can Yosef possibly have been Forgotten, and I, I've been hinting at this a bit. The economic, Im- the economic impact which he must have had on the land, had had to have been profound. Paro was probably still the beneficiary of the work which Yosef had done. And as we read the description of what it is that Yosef did in, in, in Source 18, we we ask, how is it possible that he does not know this, unless, of course, you know, you, someone said it's more deliberate, that it's, it, it's you know, ultimately the victors are those, those who write history, and when they wrote the history, they wrote Yosef out of the history, and Yosef now becomes part of this hated minority who their concerns will become a, 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 a majority. I would assume that rabbis and chutzlaretz, when they have to, you know, talk about this week's parsha. 
you know, they get to talk about anti-Semitism over here and where it comes from and so on, which itself is interesting. Because I, I want to read a little bit about, about what's described in Source 18, where th- this is the point, it's towards the end of Parshat Vayigash that we don't pay attention to because there was so much drama early on, the drama of the big reveal of who Yosef is and then Yosef's being alive still being revealed to Yaakov and Yaakov coming down. And then we have a couple of things at the end of the Parsha just you know tying a couple of loose ends, but it's those loose ends which are interesting because those loose ends most likely have very long impact on on Egypt, and this is when, as the bad years are taking place, and by the way, midrashically, there is some discussion how long those bad years last. Does, uh, when Yaakov comes, do they end or not? But over here, the way it's described in the text itself, it says that Yosef's brothers, they settle down, and so on, and we'll, we'll go straight, and, and, the, and the Ra'av gets very bad, Kikaveda Rav Ma'od, that was in Pasuk Gimel, there's no bread, V'lechem ein b'chol ha'aretz, Kikaveda Rav Ma'od, Yosef now has collected all of the money which is there, so all the money is there. It's, it's, and it says, which means Yosef is responsible for Paro's coffers to be completely filled beyond his imagination of what we can possibly ever have. And that's just in the beginning. And then no one has any money left. You know, give us bread. And it isn't interesting, there's no bread, give us bread, and so on, just in terms of the Pesach story, there's going down to Egypt, of leaving Egypt, you know, there's also no bread then, you know. You also have all the kids complaining, give us bread, we want to eat something, right? So it, it is interesting, because this is part of the same story, even though this is the Sefer Bereshit side of the story, and it's going to come out in Shemot, but we have no bread, and now Yosef, if Yosef, Avu miknechem ve'nelachem miknechem im afeskasov. So now Yosef is acquiring the 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 cattle, and we go from there to the the next year. One second. Ve'yavi et miknechem el Yosef v'tein lehem Yosef lechem basusim v'miknehatzon v'miknehabakar v'chamarim. Now Yosef owns all of the livestock and all the animals, and again for for Paro, and then and that then it runs out again, and they say, you know what? So then at this point. And at this point, it's also going to be that the, the land and and even the people themselves are all going to be acquired. So again, you just have to wonder how it is, Asher Loyadat Yosef, you know, what records has he been reading? You know, where did he go to school? What education has he gotten? Don't you realize that the whole economic situation that Paro finds himself in is because of what Yosef has done? And look at, again, I, I really want to note the step-by-step, what's going on. So now you can go and you can start working and... And the people's response in Kafhei is Vayomur Hachitan, you've given us life. It's like they're thankful for this. And and then the takeaway at the very end is that Yosef sets up a uh, economic taxation, which is stated as follows that the max amount of taxes was only 20%. I, I want to know who wants to sign off on that right now. The same kind of, uh, of, a, of a taxation system. Now, modern 
commentaries, and I want to stress this, just simply because I didn't find it in ancient commentaries. I'm not saying it's not there, but it's much more dominant in modern commentaries. They look at this as being the beginning of this week's Parsha, is that the, the, the quote-unquote anti-Semitism, which is going to come out, the hatred of the Jew, again, all that you need, by the way, is one Jew who's, who does something which bothers you, and now we have to get rid of all the Jews because of what Yosef did. And Should the hatred be against Yosef? Should the hatred, hatred be against Paro? But, and, and again, I don't know how much truth is in that. I, as I said, that there are people who suspect that what Yosef did, what was the longer-term impact. And again, what's intriguing to me is how easy it is to find people today saying it and how difficult it is to find people who lived seven, 800 years ago. And they had their share of anti-Semitism in those days. But they see that this as being the beginning of the, of the hatred. It's a very nice thought. And, and the term of being enslaved is used over here in this section. Nonetheless, the slavery was very different. Over there, we're told they're keeping 80% of their work. By the Jews, that's never the situation. We become actually complete slaves. But I, I want to first look at the Ramban. I didn't put, the Ramban was one thing I didn't put in sequence. wasn't sure when, when and where to present it. But I just want to start with the Ramban, and then we'll go backwards. The Ramban in Source 29 on this pasuk says, "Vayukat Yosef et kol akesef, sipera katuv zev, v'gamar inyan bekol aparsha, lodiya maalot Yosef pachachma bitvuna uvedat." To stress about how competent and how smart and how good Yosef is, v'chi ayish emunim lavi kol akesef beit paro. And look what a dedicated person it is, with a text attests that Yosef had brought all of this wealth. He didn't, you listen, a lot of other people in other situations will put away for their own retirement account or they'll take a little bit off the top, they'll take a little for expenses, they'll take a, I mean, there's plenty to take. And over here is, Ish emunim shevi kol hakesef beit paro v'lo atsa latsmo otsrot kesef umatmane misterim be'eretz mitzrayim ol lishluchei la'eretz kanan. He didn't start siphoning money off and saving for himself. He, again, the Ramban's point is: Look, the Torah attests that Yosef gave everything to Paro. Avol natan lemelech habotech bo kol hakesef akanalo otadama gam agufot umatsa bazechin gam kin bnei ha'am ki Hashem hu hamatzliach et yirayav. So therefore, it's interesting because the Ramban says, stay away from my thoughts. Hold it, maybe this starts the anti-Semitism. He says, no. He goes, everybody loves Yosef, right? Not everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Yosef. Why does everybody love Yosef? Power loves him because look what he did. The people love him because he gives them life. And the end of this, again, we could have read this into, look, Yosef just enslaved everybody. But he says, no. The Ramban is reading this section and saying, look how successful Yosef was, is that everybody loves what he did. Now, you could say to me, yeah, that was true then. <laughs> but then given a little time, then people start saying, hold it, why, you know, what happened to our land? What happened to our flocks? What happened to everything? How did we get to where we are today? And then you take a little bit of time, you know, down the line, then people reconsider. But I'm going back to the larger point is, why is it that Paro lo yada et Yosef when Yosef had done all of these things? Now, this, 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 que- this, this question is a lot more important than I'm even telling you right now because I think it's going to end up being the key to understand certain things that will take place and then you'll find all of this interesting. Right now you're not. Yeah. Yeah, I know that, that, that absolutely. But it's this, it, it, it's this statement, lo yodat Yosef. But lo yodat Yosef is, much, is actually much stronger than this. So I, I want to go back now and note a couple more things. One is in source number 19, 
the when when Yosef is sending the message. He's saying to the brothers, Now, whatever that means, is a very interesting way of describing the relationship. Rashi writes, right? a, a friend, a patron, somebody, there, there should be this close relationship. One of the Balatos, Rebbeinu Miuchas, uh, on that other term that I mentioned in passing, where Avreich Lashon Shemi Noi Vigdola, Klomor Av Lamachut, Av Rach, not old and young, Uvaloshon Talmud Lo Racha Velo Bar Racha. It's it's the way that you describe a king. So Moshe, so Yosef is an Avreich. The Avreich is that he is the advisor of Paro, the one that Paro, in a sense, looks up to. So again, going to this point of the friendship. Now the Midrash in twenty two is going to point out what needs the. Right, right. It's going to point out something which is interesting, but we'll read twenty-three first, and then and then you'll note it. Then you won't need the midrash. In source twenty-three, it writes: Now the lo yadati is the same asher lo yadati Yosef, which means it's not just Yosef who's not known; it's also God is not known. But you should realize that those things actually go together, and that's part of the whole situation when Yosef ends up standing in front of Paro. Do we have this any place? I hope that we do. In uh, in source 25, we have the the whole dream described. I want to go to the second part of this. Let's look at Pasuk Lamed Chet. I mean, Paro knows about God. Yosef introduced him to God. Which means it's not just that he doesn't know Yosef, it's that that part has now been edited out. It's, every, it's not just the, the, the wealth that Yosef has brought, it's the ethos and the ethic and the spirituality. And it's interesting, you know, God has written, which means Paro speaks about God multiple times in this, in this text over here, and now we can go back and look at that midrash that I said that we should now, skip. Does that assume it's the same Paro? No, you don't have to assume it's the same paro. But, you know, these are paro... Look, in e- Egyptian, part of the problem, this is more of a problem for next week and the week afterwards, is uh, we've attempted over the years to try to line up different gods in Egypt with the different plagues as they were taking place. And the problem is the false positives, is that they had so many gods in Egypt, they had a god for for everything and beyond. So of course you're going to be able to match it up because every aspect of life, there, there, there's a god. So it's the, it's the false positive here, which means they have no problem collecting gods. So therefore the god of the Hebrews was one that should be on file someplace because look at all the blessing that became, became because of this god. Again, just because you're polytheistic doesn't mean that you can't believe in what other people believe in in a monotheistic God. Which means, yeah, this is the God who has power over you know, seven good years, you know, if you will. Which means, or dreams, or whatever, however they want to put it in their dictionary, encyclopedia, or you know, the, the volume on magic and, and, uh, and gods. It, it's, there's no exclusivity. It's not like Ra is going to get upset with them if they're going to... Uh, you know, acknowledge that there is some other type of power doing some other kind of thing, or maybe I will get upset with them, but it's okay. So, so now, source number twenty-two. Again, that's the question that I was asking. How can you not know Yosef? 
וקנה כל אדמה מצרים לפרו, ותיקן עלי המס. He created the whole economic situation which exists, and כשם שכפר בפרו, תכתיב אשר לא ידעת יוסף, כך כפר בבורא העולם, שאמר לו יוסף, את אשר אלוקים עושה הגיד לפרו, והוא אמר, לא ידעתי את השם. And, and by the way, I'll very immodestly tell you, I worked this all out by myself, but it's obvious, but then it's always better to find someone else who already said it. Because it's obvious that you have to say this once you notice the comparison between not knowing God and not knowing Yosef. Okay. The, the Midrash in 24 plays a little bit with how this happened. We'll turn to the second side of the page where it's bolded. Rabbanan Amru, Amre, Lama, source 24, Rabbanan Amri, Lama Karimela Chadash, Velo Paro Atzmohaya. So this is assuming it's the same one. Ela, Sha'amru Hamitzrim Leparo, Bo Venizdaveg Leumazu. Let's go, let, let's, it's sort of like Shechem, let, let, let's become one with them. Omer Lam Shotim Atem, Adach Shav Mishalahem Anu Ochlim, Behech Nizdaveg Lehem, Ilula Yosef Lo Hayinu Chayim. Okay, but I just want to stop there for a second. That it's great that this Midrash puts into Paro's mouth, what are you talking about? Everything we have here is because of Yosef. How can you, you know? Okay. And I, I don't know how this works in, uh, in, 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 in Egyptian uh, political theory that you just remove the Paro when you feel like it. But it says, they removed the Ad she'olam kol ma shetem rotsim so this is claiming that the set, meaning this is where you can go back and now and, and, and look for your anti-Semitism and say, oh, it actually is coming from the people, and the people forced this upon Paro. Paro, of course, knew the truth, but he was forced to look at this in another way, and it's interesting to see the continuation of the Midrash because it also claims that the Jews forgot Yosef. You know, that, that, that's very important. The Jews also forgot Yosef's righteousness and Yosef's... Hashem bagdu ki banim zarim yodu atayo chalem chodesh et chalkehem lelamdecha kishemet Yosef hipiru brit milah. Now remember, the name Shaddai first comes there. When Yosef died, then no, we don't need to do this. And again, part of Yosef's greatness is that he's Shomer Habrit. Yosef is the one who withstands having these relations with the Eishet Potiphar. Amru, Niyakim let us be like the Egyptians. And we'll leave it at that. By the way, the word Malan is really interesting. He did Brit Milan to them. The reason it's interesting is about the thing that happens by the Malon and the Malan and the Malon along the way, that also then becomes much more interesting because that's where the Brit Milat took place. So we're going to leave that over here. Which number was this? Moshe. No, which number? We're still in 24. So at the very end, it also uses that same thing that I pointed in the previous Midrash. Which means these things go together. It's the rejection of God, rejection of Yosef, rejection of that, which means it's a rewriting of history. That's really what it is. It's a rewriting of history, and we're quite familiar with, uh, with, 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 that, with that phenomena. Okay. Now we have a little bit of time left, so let me go back to things which may not be as obvious. That Yosef will one day be forgotten may have been known by Yosef. He may have known this more than anybody else 
knew this. And 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 now I just want to think a little bit about Yosef and where and and how Yosef rises to power. Yosef rises to power because he's able to interpret the stream and tells Paro that there's going to be seven good years and seven bad years. And there's two separate dreams over there, which are really one dream, and one is with the stalks and the other is with the cows. And and the word cow is really interesting to me. And we're going to come back and we're going to look at the Midrash, but first I, I want to say something which you will think is completely, completely preposterous, but that's okay. I can, I, I, I can say it before you. In Source 25, Seven beautiful parot. Now, what's interesting about the beautiful parot is that the last thing described in terms of its beauty was actually Yosef, and that's in Source 27, where it says, it's also interesting, lo yada, right? That Yosef is very good-looking, and then you have this very good-looking cows, which of course you'll say to me, what in the world do the cows have to do with Yosef except for a couple of things? One, and this is only getting halfway there, but not all the way there, and that is that Yosef will later be described as a shore. So the shore and the paraz is not all that far from one another. They actually have a relationship. It's not that far, but Yosef is described as the shore and the shore is a beast of burden. The shore is something which is actually involved in the working the land in order for the land to grow, which means those two dreams are... When Yosef says, no, they're really connected, the two dreams, yeah, they're connected. They're connected in terms of working the land, but now the, the, the it didn't have to say beautiful cows. I just want you to understand that. It could have said nice fat cows, zavtig, right? right? It could have... It could, it could, excuse me. Do my Syrian friends know what zaftig is? It's Yiddish for fat. But you, you, you would describe it as healthy. It, it's a healthy fat. It's a healthy. It's a, it's a big... It's like saying a nice piece of horse flesh if you're into racing in the South yeah. 200 years ago. Yeah. Z- z- zaftig. Zaftig is a... It's a healthy fat if anybody can imagine such a thing anymore. <laughs> so, So... It didn't have to say beautiful, so this beautiful cow, symbolic of something. So I'm going to throw this out there for a second, and then I have to try to bring some kind of evidence that someone else had bizarre thoughts like this before me. And that is... Actually, somebody said... Okay, let, let me go back a second. The, the connection between Yosef and the, and the cows is something which I thought about for a while. But someone else said to me, now, the next line, and then he said, I said, should I quote you? He said, no. So I said, okay. Not quoting, and that is that when Yosef has this dream that the skinny cows are going to swallow the pretty cows. I want to stress this now. Yosef may have then had a premonition that one day he's going to be eclipsed as well. Which means that if Yosef is represented by all of the meaning, who is Yosef? Yosef knows how to take advantage of those good years, but Yosef represents the good years. But if there are good years, there are bad years coming now. When Yosef is alive during the bad years, you know it's good, but Yosef. Does Yosef know that one day Yosef is going to be eclipsed? And that's really what we're up to right now, is that Yosef now has become eclipsed. So I hope at least some of you are a little bit intrigued with this. And now let's go to so we source 27. And now let's look at source 28. Now, 28 is Midrash Rabbah. The words are not all that easy. 
which is why I put the underneath it the, the translation. And let's just go to underneath it, the, the thing which is photocopied inside. Amar Rabbi Avin. Now, what is Rabbi Avin explaining? Now, this other part is not. Ben Parat Yosef, Ben Parat Eliyayin. Parat Otiot Parot. Al-Tikri Ben Parat Yosef. Now, Ben Parat Yosef was the idea of fertility that we saw. It says, Ela Ben HaParot. Viklomar, and now it's reading the Midrash, Ben Parot. Go, go back now and look at source 28, so you'll see it was harder. Amar um, Rav Ben Parot Revita. Ben Perot Revita Yosef. Ben Parot Yosef Revita Yosef. Now, now you, you're, you're reading the words and you have no idea what they're talking about, but that's exactly the point, is that it's interpreting that Yosef is the Ben Parot because Yosef rises to power because of the dreams of the Parot. Ben Parot Yosef. And the, but but it all, it's also fertility, because it's also, it's the cows are connected. I'm, I'm going to try to say this again. All of these things are wrapped together, ultimately. It's not that just that Yosef is the blessing. Yosef is blessing. That's what it is. Ben Parot Yosef. Yosef is a source of blessing, of fertility, of wealth, of everything. Yosef is blessing. That's what he is. All the blessings in Bereshit end up going to Yosef. I, I wonder now, after having said all this, when Yosef names his son Ephraim, if Ephraim also is the same thing, passing on the blessing of, of Poriut, the blessing of, uh, of fertility. Now, this is what I wanted to get to with all of this. If we're now careful and we watch what takes place with the plagues, essentially what the plagues do is that this is all going to be poetic justice now. They allow the Egyptians who are forgotten Yosef, or they force the Egyptians who are forgotten Yosef, to now step by step forget all of the things that Yosef had done for the economy. Which means each of the things which will now disappear will be those things that Yosef had collected for Paro. Which means the animals will be destroyed, the fields will be destroyed. I Meaning all those, it's this destruction, we always look at it as a separate book, as a separate process which is taking place. And all that I did today is say, no, let's not read it independently. Let's read this as it actually says, oh, Yosef is forgotten. God is forgotten. Well, you know what the whole story of leaving Egypt is? You're going to remember God. God is going to be remembered over here. But it's not just God is going to be remembered. Yosef is going to be remembered as well. And therefore, if you've undone Yosef, you're going to end up undoing everything what Yosef had done. Now, that may sound, you know, very, very broad. I, I want to now go and look. Next week's parasha, we're going to start in Periktet, Vayom HaShem El Paro, and so on. Ki right? So, Hine Yad, so Dever is going to come and it's going to strike all of the livestock. That's part of what Yosef, you know, one of those years that Yosef went and collected for, for Paro. Moving over afterwards, now stretch out your hand, Barad. What's the Barad going to do? Barad, Besadeh. May Adam Ba'ad that means that this is going to be this destruction of everything again which Yosef had acquired for Paro which means 
You know, Yosef gives and Yosef takes, but it's really not Yosef, because Yosef said from the beginning, who is it? This is God has revealed this. This is God who's doing this. You don't remember Yosef. You don't remember God. Well, God gave you something. Guess what? God is taking it back, which means that part of the story of leaving Egypt really goes back to the beginning of the story of getting to Egypt, and it's a reversal of all the blessing which had come, which now, now gets now gets, as I'll say, re- reversed. Um, and power responds to this. Finally, when this happens, he says, Chatati apam. Hashem vani rishaim. Which means, it's at this point he finally admits that yes, that, that yes, God is doing this, but again, you just need to connect the points of history to realize what this unraveling of Egypt is all about, because the unraveling is something which was done at the hand of, of Yosef. And again, you look at that Last part of the parsha that you know back in in Vayigash, Yosef did this and Yosef got this and Yosef bought this and these are all the things which are being struck over here in terms of the plagues and I think that's interesting I want to get to one more and that's source thirty one Perikud we move to the Arbe and what does the Arbe do the Arbe just wipes out everything else which is there. And that's it. Everything else is wiped out by the Arbe. Okay. So just to end up for today, I, I, I want to uh, read one more thing. Now, on Oshana Rabbah, when we, uh, we say, how is Oshana Rabbah? Well, I felt like I was walking in circles. Why? Because that's what we're doing. We're walking around. And we, we say in Oshana Rabbah seven times we have Hoshanot. Now, a lot of these are difficult, and people don't know what they're saying. They don't understand the words, which is unfortunate. And, you know, as soon as I said, you have to, have to read them and study them a little bit before. And I, I want to focus on the last one, on the seventh one. In a certain sense, the seventh is the culmination, but there's another reason for wanting to do this, and I'll explain only afterwards. It, it says over here, Lo Shanarabah, source number 32. What do we say, Shanarabah? We say, and, and, okay, start in the second paragraph, and then we'll go back to the first one. Adama me'ered, and it goes in, val- in alphabetical order. If you want, you can look at the English. We're praying, Hoshana, God save us. Adama me'ered, the ground from a, from accursedness. Behema mi'mashkelet, a beast from aborting. Gorin mi'gazem, dagan mi'daleket, hon mi'me'irav, va'och mi'mamah, zayit mi'neshel, chita mi'chagav, teref mi'gova, yekev mi'yelek. Those of you who want your good wine that year, you need at this point to pray that, 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 the, that the, the, the grapes should be saved. Yekev mi'yelek. Kerem mi'tola'at, right? You don't want your kerem to be, you know, to have tola'im. And, and so on and so forth. And this whole thing is about the land. It's about the produce, that things should grow and everything should be fine. And at the end, we say, because it's the seventh one, we say, Tzadik Hashem b'chol duracha v'chasid b'chol masav. It's interesting because that's actually what Hashem, Tzadik v'ni v'ni v'rishim, it's the Tzadik. Now, what you don't necessarily understand, and we have to go just a little bit Kabbalistic over here for you, the first paragraph that I skipped is the other six that we say. The first one is Chesed, the second one is Gvurah, the next one is Emet, next one is Netzach, the next one is Hod. Why? Because these, 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 are, these are the various Kabbalistic ideas, because what we have over here is that it's Tzadik Hashem Bechol Durachav V'chasid Bechol Ma'asav. This one is connected to Yosef. Of course, that Yosef is Yosef at Tzadik, which means when we're praying for the land to give forth its produce, we are channeling the bracha and the power of Yosef 
which of course is the power of God, which is flowing through Yosef. And therefore, you go back and you look what, what um, Paro is saying when all of this has fallen apart, when all of this has been reversed, where he says, Hashem Sadiq Vaniva Rishaim, that becomes just so interesting in terms of Jewish theology, because it's Yosef Sadiq is the one who brings about all of this blessing, and now everything which Yosef has brought has now completely disappeared. Essentially, the message is, if you forget about if you forget about Yosef who facilitated the knowledge of God in Egypt then God will give you a way of remembering if Yosef is the one who brought all of the blessing and you don't remember where that blessing came from which of course is ultimately from God then God will take this all away and as each one is being taken away you will have a lesson and you will hopefully remember that it's God who runs the world and it's God who has given this blessing and it's God who will be taking away the blessing which means if you don't remember who Yosef is and therefore how you should be treating his people, then there's something unfortunate in your education, and at the end of the day, you will become educated.